you're known for doing a lot of comic book roles. Mm-hmm. We've got, I mean, Marvel, DC, you've got Josie and the Pussycats, Sin City. Is there is there a franchise you would just love to tackle? Like, how do we get you in a Star Wars movie? I know it's not comic book, but... Yo, the fans have been pushing for a Sugar Town for a minute now. That's, yes. Which would that be was the so whole campaign. Dope. Yeah. I know, like someone did the art and then I reposted it and then Star Wars started following me and then everybody started thinking it was a whole thing and it's just literally been this internet situation. Mm-hmm. So internet, if it happens, it's because of you. Fanboys and Friends presents... Something's coming. ...a Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast. Something dark. Same of Galaxy Far Away. I sense it. In the days of war, there was... This is a new beginning. Now, she is a Ronin walking her own path. War. For others. Power. In a while, things have changed. Ahsoka Ronin, Way of the Tunnel. I started hearing whispers about Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. We have to prepare for the worst. Jedi fell a long time ago. There aren't many left. Perhaps it is time to begin again. Welcome, Gabe, to the first episode of the latest Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast, Ahsoka Ronin, Way of the Tunnel. Because you know what? Yes, this may be the way, but Ahsoka is the way right now. So, Mando, kind of, I have spoken. Move. Move (laughs) over there. So, I am your host, Davidson, and uh, the Master of Ceremonies right now. And uh, with me, your your friend of mine, all the way out in, well, Dagobah with a little bit more issues than usual. Looking at you, Florida. Um, (laughs) Kyle Wagner. Kyle, how's it going, buddy? It's good to be here. Oh, no doubt about that, Kyle. No doubt at all. It's going to be a fun show. We have quite a nice size show for you today, gang. We have some guests that will be joining us to discuss some part one and part two of Star Wars Ahsoka, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. But before we get to that, we have a special treat. Um, since this is talking Star Wars Ahsoka, and Ahsoka kind of debuted in Mandalorian Season 2, we have a little revisit of our discussion of Chapter 13, The Jedi, as taken from our episode of our spinoff show, From uh, Endor to Jakku, A Mandalorian Aftermath, 
where we were covering season two, and it's episode three that was entitled Jedi vs. Mando, this week on Force Wielder Grogu. Now, granted, gang, we did have that episode cover two episodes, chapter 13 and chapter 14, but you know what? Chapter 14 kind of was a... Well, let's just say this. If chapter 13 was a backdoor pilot to where we are now with Ahsoka, yeah, chapter 14 was that for Boba Fett, for a certain book of Boba Fett show, and um, uh, less said about that one, the better right now. You know, we'll just leave it at that. Less said, but less said the better. So, without further ado, here it is. Um, a little revisit on Chapter 13, The Jedi. Well, um, we open up the episode um, on a particular planet. Um, this is an ugly planet, I'm going to say. But there's a battle going on, and we happen to see some very familiar lightsabers. <laughs> planet a planet that strangely enough looks like the california forest right now oh that's true too so yeah yeah well i, I mean that 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 was intentional right that was that was feloni's thought process on that oh, episode sure that, that was, was a huge thought uh, process yeah in the in the vanity fair uh article with him he he talked about how that was uh because he's been evacuated each spring or fall, he said, and that was what he what he wanted it to be. So yeah, yeah it's I, absolutely. I, I got to admit, though, uh, right out of the gate, when I saw this, I'm like, you know what? So much for the idea of Ahsoka hanging out among a lush forest. Well, I I think I think in this case, Ahsoka is trying to do good as she is on the planet Corvus to take out um, some impact. Leftover traces of the Empire in this particular case. Uh, a magistrate who is definitely not t- treating the citizens of this planet very well. No, not at all. And of course, that magistrate, um, Morgan El- Elizabeth, played by Diana Lee in Inosanto. And for some of you out there who may not know this, she is Bruce Lee's goddaughter. I've been expecting you. Then you know what I want. Yes, I I absolutely kind of love that, especially for a certain fight we'll get to, and it makes it uh, just ooh, uh, just that more tingling, makes you forgive the fact that her name is just plain and dull and kind of not Star Wars. But she has an assistant too, by the name of Lang, and uh, it, it we it's the only way to be sure it, it's Michael Bien. Right, yeah, definitely. 
So we have got faces all over the place, and obviously we see Ahsoka Tano, played by the wonderful Rosario Dawson. Um, we get this incredible setup for this episode as the Mandalorian arrives on Corvus. Yeah. Um, guys, I, so we, I mean, I think before we go further, we have to address it. We see Ahsoka in live action for the first time on film. Well, what, I, I got to know what you guys' reactions were. Were Paul? I want to give you the chance to go first. You're the guest here. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you 100% honestly. I was so hesitant because I feel like I feel like if you take a character from live action and make them uh, animated, that's one thing. But to take a character that's that's animated and to make them live action, I feel like that's a bigger challenge. And I was I was really nervous. But I'll tell you, the moment she was on the screen, the moment those lightsabers lit up, I didn't care. I was sold 100% absolutely in there and just just excited about it. It was it was great. And I forgot any hesitation I had and just I was along for the ride. It felt it felt right. It felt good. It felt like Star Wars. You echo my sentiments exactly, Paul, because I was very nervous about a live action Ahsoka Tano for a couple of reasons. One, for me, it's just I've always associated Ahsoka Tano with the animated series. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, do I want to see her made live action? Is that going to take away the, the risk of it? What it could take away from her as an animated fi- Star Wars character is high. But, you know, after what I saw initially, even out of the gate, it was like, okay, it, it looks great. They did a phenomenal job with her. I'm very happy with this. Mr. Sendham, what about you? Your, your, your first view of live-action Ahsoka Tano. Okay, uh, I'm going to echo you guys' sentiments, but I'm also going to say it's... It, okay, don't get me wrong, I love Ashley to pieces. We all love Ashley to pieces. You know, we all can agree on that. However, I think for... A, for especially... Uh, this kind of first impression out of the gate of uh, Ahsoka in live action, you kind of need um, more uh, exotic-looking features um, for a live action Ahsoka, and Rosario's it. You know, Rosario's it. She just nails what a older version of Ahsoka would look like at this point. Um, but on the other side of the coin, I will say, you know, and, you know, yes, echoing what you guys were saying, but adding to it, it's also a very emotional thing for me because, uh, let's just say when Clone Wars was on, I got my nieces and this is probably why my, you know, sister rolls her eyes when I'm not looking, I'm sure. But I got my nieces into uh, Ashley's version of Ahsoka. Uh, when they were far younger, this was really early when Clone Wars was on. Um, so I got them into that. And when when um, I was at, this was about two celebrations ago. You remember those kids when we used to go to these things called conventions and pack into rooms like sweaty nerds and be like <laughs> I gotta get to the next panel I gotta get to the next panel those things those things will be back we will not discuss that any further here but 
you know, relax. I could hear you guys yelling in your iPod right now. But, you know, a few uh, conventions ago, I, and this was like a year after uh, my uh, dad had passed away, right? Mm -hmm. um, somewhere along now, those lines. But I stood in line for three to four hours to get a autograph uh, from Ashley, uh, but not for me, for my niece. And Ashley signed it with a, uh, you know, your grandfather will always be with you. Aww. So it's beautiful. I I owe Ashley that. I owe Ashley you know many many gratitude for just that. Well, and and I think I think it's important to bring up Ashley here, right? Because I feel like part of it for for a lot of us, if you've been around Clone Wars and and Star Wars for a long time, right? Ashley is Ahsoka, yeah. and. You know, I, I remember when when Clone Wars started and that movie came out, and there were a lot of people that didn't like Ahsoka, but now she's now she's a fan favorite, which is wonderful because she's a great character, always was, even even in the first movie when people were grumbly about it. But but you know the the thing is like like we've always known her as voiced by Ashley, so I think part of my hesitation was a little bit of of like well what about Ashley? Like she's, she's Ahsoka. How, how are we going to in good conscience turn away from her being Ahsoka? Um, and I, and I think there's some of that too, right? Like, like we get, we, we're Star Wars fans. We're, we're attached to what we know and love and we don't like change. And that's a pretty big change. And for, for Rosario Dawson to, completely commit and to have just an overwhelming positive response from everybody that I know and, and 99% of what I've seen uh, out there. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable, you know, yeah. to, to take that change and to, to run with it and to love it and to own it. Yeah. The, the commitment Rosario did binge watching all the clone wars all the way down to the blue contacts, you know, getting the uh, Ahsoka right. eyes right. Yep. Just makes you love her even more. And can I say, right, and I'm going to say publicly, guys, don't judge me or do. I don't really care. But having Rosario play Ahsoka means I don't have to be ashamed of liking Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> Hey, you so, never had to be ashamed of that. No, I know. Of what you like. Except now I have a good headcanon reason, at least until Pablo Dalgo tweets something about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, for me, here's the thing, too. It's how Rosario has conducted herself. I mean, she reached out to Ashley. She's shown nothing but respect oh, yeah. to the character and the role. And, you know, the, I, I think this has been – we all know this has been in the works a little pro probably longer i mean even dave said in the vanity fair article somebody brought it up as a fan casting and he's like it just stuck in my head and i couldn't see anybody else in right. the role yeah for I, I think it goes all the way back to the boss logic art that was going around for about a year yeah and then and then the other thing being too is that you know we are talking about i know there's been a few little nitpicks about some of the design things with the 
Are you Ahsoka are in live action? Referring to the head tails specifically. Yeah, the head the head tails. Yeah. But my my what I, what I'm going to point out to that is because I pointed this out on my social media. When you're going from animation to practical, there's going to be changes because you have to work within practical effects. Yeah, there's going to be. And you have to. There's going to be concessions. Yeah, you have to make concessions so you can film certain things in certain ways. And I I don't think that the change was drastic enough to where people should have been freaking out about it. Plus, too, I think having Rosario play in that role, since we are dealing with a bit of an older Ahsoka. It's it's a it's a perfect casting because as much as I love Ashley, in person she has such a youthful exuberance to her. Mm-hmm. Yes, that you know it goes along. What you said, Kyle, goes along with my exotic features argument. Rosario has those features I was talking about, but you know there's just something about Ashley where no matter how hard she tries. And I love her to pieces, you know, that story. I love her even more. Believe me, my my niece probably loves that gratitude a, a heck of a lot more than I do because, well, she's in that awkward teenage phase. She's going to need to look at that from time to time. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's a whole other story altogether. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh <sighs> I just think there's something useful about Ashley, and this is not a burden on her. We love that she's like this. But there's something useful about Ashley where it just doesn't translate to an older version of Ahsoka. No, I, I think I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. And I again I you know, I, I know there are people who's like, well couldn't they have used Ashley's voice and dubbed it over and stuff like that? I think we're at this point in time to where they don't try to do that anymore unless they absolutely have to. Yeah, and and, it, and also, if I can just say something about that, and Paul, feel free to agree or disagree, but I think in Solo that works only because it was a hologram form of uh, Maul. Mm-hmm. Like, case in point. If we were to get, say, a Solo 2, which, you know, that's a whole other matter altogether. But if we were to get a Solo 2, you would not see that same thing. You know, because when you're, when you're not dealing with, when you're dealing with a hologram form of them, sure, you can do that because you can visually get away with it, right? But when well, you're dealing with the actual performance... Yeah, that just comes off as as a little awkward and clunky and weird. Or should I say for Star Wars, canon heads to explode, it gets a little McClunky. <laughs> um I'm gonna I'm going to uh disagree with you a little bit there, David, because I feel like I feel like Sam Witwer is a fairly experienced voice actor, and I think if there was you know, anybody that you'd want being able to do that and to make it work, I think he would be one of the people that could could make it work. Oh, and at this and at this point, I I don't know that we can. I mean, Maul's always never been Ray Park, right? Right. Ever, yeah, even yeah. in Episode One. Yeah. So yeah. I I feel like it, it. I feel like it would you you would almost still have to to carry that on. But it would it would be it would be difficult. And and that goes into what I was gonna say with Rosario Dawson and not having it be the voice of Ashley Eckstein is that. 
you're not going to pay Rosario Dawson to be in a role and then right, that's pay the, somebody else to use her, her voice. You're the, not going to do that. that. Rosario Dawson is a phenomenal, phenomenal actress. Right. That, right. And that's part of what you're bringing. That's the other side of the coin I was getting at, though. It, it would be a challenge, and I, I, and whether they do that or not in the future with some other medium. Um, I don't know. I make solo two happen there. Star Wars Newsnet gets a plug. Okay, fine. But uh, whether that happens or not, who knows? Sam could do it, but it would be an interesting challenge. But the other side of the coin is exactly what you've just brought up, Paul, which is you don't bring on Rosario Dawson just undercut her like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. See, with 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 Maul, you could do the Ray Park thing where you you bring in a Stunt man yeah. or somebody, and uh, but if, when you're bringing in a no name like a Rosario Dawson, yet yeah, you ju- you just don't do that. And I don't think Ashley would have been comfortable with it either. No, so. a- Ashley would have been very like that 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 bubbly gir- girly awkwardness. It's like you want me to do what? Yeah. Well, the the other thing too, you you, you said that, and you know. In Rebels, I thought Ashley did a good job of being a more mature Ahsoka. Like, she definitely brought a little more wisdom to the character. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like Rosario Dawson definitely picked up on a lot of that. Oh, you can tell that she did, yeah. Yeah, like, she was definitely trying to be extend on the Rebels version of Ahsoka more so than the Clone Wars. And I think that was important, right? Because... Filoni definitely had a lot of intent with making Ahsoka older and wiser and in some ways more hesitant because of what she went through with Anakin. And obviously through the Rebel story, we knew that she kind of had some idea and then 100% confirmation on, on who was in that that suit. Um, so I think it was, I think she did a really good job of capturing that version of Ahsoka and extending it because I, I, I did see through some conversation, some, somebody saying, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't the same, you know, bubbly Ahsoka that we're used to. And I was like, my response to them was, you're thinking of Clone Wars. <laughs> Think, you know, 25 years older and then five more on top of that now. Um, of the Ahsoka that we saw last, and she was a lot more solemn, a lot wiser, a lot less chipper because she's been through a lot. She's been through a lot, a lot, and uh, I, I I think that this was the the perfect natural extension of that. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Now I'll get back to the episode here a little bit too because we have the Mandalorian ar- ar- arrive as well, and. Basically, making it seem like he's still working for the guild, gets gets a meeting with the magistrate, and you know, it gets revealed that um, she has a spear of pure Beskar. I'm like, wow, for supposed to be be a hard, hard thing to come by. It seems, seems to pop up a lot here. Yeah, I know it does, right? <laughs> it does. I mean, I, between that and the last few episodes before this being a. a being a okay, Mando needs something. Somebody else needs help. Mando needs something. Somebody else needs help. Mando needs something. Somebody else needs help. Mm-hmm. I mean, those two things are really funny, guys. At this point, I'm like, can we get a season of Mandalorian that's not 
that doesn't make you remember Shrek, where it's like, a quest? <laughs> well, in, in this case, you know, Mando works it to where it seems like he's taking the job. He actually never agrees to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which leads him going out to search for one Ahsoka Tano, who he does come across. And we get a great little short fight scene between the two of them. Oh, we see yeah. just how well Beth, Beskar does stand up to lightsabers. Yeah, and and I'm sorry, I will say, this is the moment you can tell we are out of the George Lucas box. Because he hated lightsabers, uh, you know, being stopped by Beskar. <laughs> You know, I, I think the other thing is too is I mean it was just it was a great fight between the Mandalorian skills and Ahsoka's Ahsoka skills. It was, and, it was. Know. Did you guys catch Morai on one of those branches? I was just gonna ask you guys if you caught yeah. her. Absolutely caught her, was stoked to see her yep, there. Yep, yep. It got that little sort of colorful uh belly of hers. Yep, yep. <laughs> and of course then the Mando drops the name Bo Katan. And, you know, guys, I really hope we're here to talk about him. Yeah, yeah. that was great. That was wonderful. That was... And, my goodness, the way she approaches uh, the child, and we'll we'll stop calling him the child in a little bit, but the way, the way she approaches <laughs> the child, I'm like, she's got the Ahsoka gate. She's got everything. Mm -hmm. Rosario yep, slammed she... it. As a matter of fact, you know, after the episode aired, right? I because I follow Rosario on Twitter. Uh, I wrote, uh, "You crushed it. You simply crushed it." Welcome to the family. She liked the tweet, and I'm like, "Oh, social media, you're absolutely beautiful when you're not completely pathetic." Yep, <laughs> it's nice when it brings us together like that. Yeah, which it, is, it is. Which is fantastic. It, it is. It makes you remember that. Even in 2020, there's something that's not complete. <laughs> well, you know, and it leads to a great scene next of uh, the child having a kind of conversation with Ahsoka. And the big reveal, the child is no longer the child. He is now Grogu. Grogu. Okay, i got to point this out, right? Uh, is it me or does the name Grogu, which I'm fine with, right? But it sounds like if you were to take the name George and run it through a Dragon Ball Z meat grinder. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I can see that. Kamehameha! <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, God. I don't want to see the child sprout hair and, and start shooting fireballs. <laughs> or but... maybe I do. I'm only half kidding, you know. <laughs> well, one of the things I loved about this too was as the Mandalorian started using his name, and we see this in, a in the next episode too. The child responds like it's a kitten or a puppy that's finally learned to understand it. That name. was adorable. Yep. Uh, that yep. that made me go, okay, you know what? I want a new animatronic toy that when you say Grogu, it just looks at you. It makes that little cooing noise. Exactly. There. It just looks at you. Yep. 
Yep, you know, that would be fantastic. And, and, and he just had... Paul, imagine the videos online that would pop up of uh, you know parents all over the world confusing the hell out of their pets. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but uh, the other the other thing is too is what was great was how he had almost like this look of excitement on Grogu's face when he would hear his name. Yep. So we've got this great moment too where Ahsoka is going to train try to get ideas about Grogu. We find out Grogu also, you know, was trained with the younglings in the Jedi Temple, then was hidden before Anakin obviously decided he was gonna, you know, spit roast and take out some young Yeah, younglings. you know, Anakin Anakin's really pissed off he missed one. Yeah. Yeah, there's been some great memes I have to say on that. So Well and before before I got cut off I just I want to go back to this real quick because I, I don't want us to miss it. Did you guys pick up on his reaction when Ahsoka mentioned Yoda? Yes, yes, and, right. And like then, he 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 obviously knew who Yoda was and was like, "Ooh, maybe he's still alive." And then you could kind of see her confirm with him that he wasn't, and then you could see him sadly droop his ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, I'm glad you brought that up because Kyle, I want to point out and take a sec to talk about um the music Mm. now uh i will say this i've enjoyed ludwig uh it's a good mandalorian sound i'm not exactly in the in the emotional spot to call it a uh call it anything other than that because uh, you know Trying to, again, detach myself from that John Williams idea that Star Wars music has always been. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite in that spot yet. But um, I'm sorry, the use of Kiner and Williams here, kind of woven into what Ludwig is doing. uh, Paul and Kyle, I kind of feel like this is what more of these shows should be doing. Well, I think... Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Paul. Paul. No, you go ahead, Paul. I was I was gonna say I think I feel like this is like this is the perfect part though to to bring all those three bits together because this is the first we're really seeing all the different parts of Star Wars that we've had before come together, right? We're having the movies come together here. We're having uh, uh, Dave Filoni shows come together, and now we're having The Mandalorian. So this is the first that we've really had them all together existing in the same space. Oh, no. So it makes a lot of sense that right now, that's when we would have that music come in and tie together. Yeah, no, I I I agree. I I just think that as we go on, whether it's these shows or whenever we get back to the movie space, because let's be honest, the shows and Disney Plus in general or a great way to spend the the gap years. Well, I, I think that's that's the whole design is to have to fill the, the gaps. Now, obviously, we we're on a much longer gap than anybody intended to be. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. and also, you know, um, any any film restart is resting in twenty twenty three, so we're not even remotely close to that discussion yet. Yeah. So no, but I agree. I agree. I think the music was perfectly well done here, and I I just say I I think this is the one thing. The there's very few episodes of The Mandalorian that haven't hit for me on every level. 
Yeah, there's very few for me, with the exception of uh, that weird, uh, you know, fish lady, uh, Mandu Uber, egg joke gone way too far. Uh, aside from that, I'm like, hey, I may have had to go through that, but you gave me, you know, a lovely moment with Bogotan. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I, what I enjoyed here, too, was when you see Ahsoka, Ahsoka explaining why the Grogu hasn't really used his force powers and he's had to hide them and the, they haven't fully degraded yet. But I love the fact that she goes to test him with the rock and it really doesn't work. But as soon as the Mandalorian brings out the little knob from the razor crest, he's all excited and zips it right over. And you can see how Ahsoka's like the attached. It, I don't know if I, we can train him because he's so attached to the man, the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Now, now here's something I'm going to bring up. Okay. And, and whether you, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. But, when you look at both sides of the spectrum here, whether it's Ahsoka with this or or Luke years later with what he's doing, uh, you know, refusals to train, uh, obviously uh, easy on the eyes Ray or, you know, little Yoda looking Grogu, all right? When you look at the refusals to train, uh, to me, they're not that different from each other. The only the only difference is, um, you know, ah Ahsoka is is kind of one foot outside the Jedi doctrine. Well, she's uh, not a Jedi. Technically, she's not a. People say she's a Jedi, but if you're going to go on a technicality, she's not a Jedi. Well, but that's what I mean, Kyle. When I compared the two, Ahsoka is slightly out of the Jedi doctrine, and unfortunately, like it or not, Luke isn't. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think I think there were other issues with Luke, and that's a whole other side thing. But I think well, he, in, in this... I, I, I know, but it's. I just thought it'd be something very interesting to bring up because, Paul, I, I'm not completely crazy. There are parallels between the two, uh, being the fact that they're obviously, what, 30 years still removed? Because I think we're, you know, uh, a pretty wide gap in the timeline from where we are with Ahsoka to mm -hmm. where Luke ends up with The Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a hike, but I mean it's a it's it's becoming a theme in Star Wars for sure. Is that I don't want to train you, I can't train you, but we we've also seen what attachment does do does to Jedi, right? Between right. between Anakin yeah. and even Luke, right? Like he didn't want to, uh, you know that he he was too attached to the light side, right? Like he he was so afraid of of what. Ben could do, yeah. Um, you know, it, it it all comes back to that that attachment and and the dogma of the Jedi. Well, the uh, uh, I think the dogma that Ahsoka was wisely uh, made the wise decision to walk away from, mm -hmm. uh, and become yep. a citizen. But you know what? Thank goodness, Mace Windu had nothing to do with this episode. Oh man! Oh, well, mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so we can we can take the word citizen, we can crumple it up, and we can throw it right out the window. <laughs> Along with Mace. Yep. yep. Well, let's move along because you know what? A Mandalorian and a Jedi who nobody would ever see this coming. That, uh, okay, I will just say, right? And, and gang, I'm sorry, but if you're listening on delayed podcasts, there will be a Wookiee roar bleep right now. But that sounds like a <laughs> good pair to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it works out quite well as they're able to get inf- infiltrate the the base. <laughs> Your bounty hunter failed. Tell me what I want to know. We call it, and which leads to a great fight scene between Ahsoka and like it's in front of me, uh, Morgan Els- Elsbeth. Yeah, can, um, can we talk about the uh, the HKs? Uh, I think it's HK eighty seven. Oh yes, uh, uh, very very much. Bring it, please. I got, I've got to point this out. Uh, okay, isn't it fitting that uh, Kyle Reese? is actually working with the killer robots instead of against them this time. <laughs> I found that well, kind of amusing. Um, did you guys happen to ever go back and notice that the uh, Thrawn's logo or his... Uh, his yes, uh, the, the yeah, symbol his... of the Seventh Fleet. Yes, thank you. That, I couldn't remember what it was yeah. off the top of my head. But yeah, so, so if you were an eagle-eyed watcher, you knew... Uh, definitely where things were going i'm gonna i'm gonna say it right here right now and you can timestamp it right here at this point but i think we're getting a setup for the hand of the empire for sure i mean that's what i mean that's even what the end of rebels was right the idea that that now you had you had uh thrawn and ezra missing and ahsoka and sabine were going to go out and find them like yeah, that's what I've been but, I've been anxiously waiting for that know, since the moment you know Rebels what, went off the you air. Know what Paul Paul I love you but that that ending of Rebels with with the, especially the space whales I'm like wait am I watching Star Wars or am I watching Star Trek 4? Yeah, well that's a that's a whole different kind of whale. Um but true <laughs> true yeah true but what what I like about it though is that it shows us that that Filoni had the intent to kind of do a trilogy of shows, 
right? Because it's very Empire Strikes Back where it ends on a cliffhanger. You know that there's more, at least you wanting more. And at this point, I got to be honest with you guys that if Dave Filoni is interested in taking that into a live action arena as opposed to animation, after seeing this, I'm 100% on board and fully support going that direction with it. I think I think I I trust Filoni. I mean, he is he is Star Wars at this point. See, I I think that's what we're getting because I think at this point that Rebel sequel series whatever that was going to be was uh you know retooled and is going to be yep. uh, that Ahsoka live action series. Absolutely. And and I like I said I am at this point. I am one hundred percent on board with that. Sign me up. Start filming. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, right. use have, the no uh, hesitancy now. Obviously, use the volume because uh, let's be honest. The way things have been lately, I think the volume is going to be a nice, easy out for production for a while. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's brilliant and it's it's going to it's going to bring us a lot of Star Wars because of that. Right. It's so easy for them to to do instead of, uh, you know, having to go out to a to a set or build a set on the stage. And I mean, let's let's look at it. The it, It's realistic. I, I honestly knew nothing of the volume during season one. I was I personally was going, man, uh, how are they building these amazing sets? They must be going to these wonderful places and filming this stuff. No, they're just sitting in that room with those, that amazing technology. And I, I, I mean, I was along for the ride. It's, it's, it's just amazing. It is 100% amazing to me. Throw every Star Wars show you can in there. I don't care. Give me Star Wars. Well, that is, that is true. That is true. Uh, and you know, I also want to talk about this whole idea, and I know this has really come up with uh, people, uh, you know, since, um, uh, especially since this episode, this whole idea of, you know, just give uh, Filoni and Favreau the keys. I'm going to 100% disagree with that. And the only reason, the only, okay, before... The internet starts yelling at me, calling from my head, because okay. Paul, you know they would. Um, oh, absolutely! I'm I'm expecting it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. At oh, this point. oh, oh, <laughs> bless your aging heart. Bless your. Oh, aging it's heart. aging all right. That's for sure. Uh, she, yeah, yeah. I'm five months away from forty, so unfortunately, <laughs> so is mine. Oh, I wish I was that young. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, come on! You look like a you know right. What is it? Thirty nine platinum. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. All right. Let me explain before the Frankenstein yes. mob comes at me. But um, the reason I say this is just that idea invokes where we were, where you have one sole person calling everything, or in Mandalorian's case, two people right. calling everything. No, I don't want that. I, the idea, Paul, is to move this stuff forward, not backward, because all you want to do is, pat fan, is give fans a pat on the head and be like, ooh, here's a cookie. Um, 
Well, yes and no. I feel like if you have the right person, I think it I think it works because I feel like and I don't know that you need a, a, a Kevin Feige or however you say his name. I don't think you necessarily need that for Star Wars. Fe- Feige, Feige. Yeah, but you I don't know. You need at least at least more control over things than what they tried to do with the sequel trilogy. I think you need you need at least some type of well, of now, centralized now, wait a vision. Now wait a minute. Let me also tell you, you know, one thing, and and then we'll move on, um, you know, to the last part there, Kyle. But let me tell you, uh, Paul, with the sequel trilogy, one of the things I think uh, really hurt it more than anything, right? And mm-hmm. Kyle, you know me as well as anybody else because we've been doing this for a while. I'm as biased as all get out. You know, you give me Star Wars in front of me, I'm like, eat it up. Anyone knows that about me. I mean, heck, my apartment is decorated wall to wall with Star Wars. Sure, I've got some other geek flavors in here, but it's mainly Star Wars. So... That being said, all right, I think one of the things that mainly hurt the sequel trilogy was, uh, you know, George's insistence for years that six was the end of the story, that nothing was going to happen after Return of the Jedi. Because uh, the, the actors got older, you know, and obviously in reality, you know, the um, the outcome of Kenny, Peter, and, and Carrie certainly didn't help matters. But then again, that whole thing never does. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, okay? If, if the sequels had been made in 95 or even 94, we would have a vastly different narrative in fandom right now. Sure. A vastly different one. But at the same time, if you look at, and I know he's he's talked to death about what he would have done or thoughts he had or, you know, Maul or Talon or whatever. I'm not doing that. I talk Star Wars, but I talk the Star Wars we got, not the Star Wars we don't, all right? But all I will say to that is, if you really look at what he wanted to do, a deeper dive into the mini-chlorians, uh, I'm sorry, one, you would have been crucified for that. You would have been absolutely destroyed. You thought the prequels were a minor blip of annoyance for fans? No, if you if you did sort of the quantum realm of midichlorians or whatever you wanted to do, no, done, done. The whole thing would have been over right then and there. And on top of that, even if the big three had been there, I have this really bad feeling they would have been pushed the wayside and they would have been just there anyway. So looking back at what the, we did get as the sequel trilogy, I'm just like, you factor in everything and you factor in the passing of uh, you know Kenny, Peter, and Carrie especially, you're like, well, at least something happened. Oh, absolutely. Uh, trust me, I'm not. I'm not saying we're better off without them. Right. Right. Like that's that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just I'm just 
Like, if you're going to have, you you maybe don't need somebody to oversee a 30-movie arc. Right. But if you're going to have a trilogy or a duology or whatever, or even just, you know, a four-season show, you need somebody in charge of that. For, no, I for agree. A solid I agree. I was, that. Just, I was just making yeah. my position clear so the mob doesn't try to cancel me like they're doing the Gina Carano. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's yeah. I like you. I just wanted to make sure that uh, it, it's a touchy subject for Star Wars fans, regardless. So, just wanted to make sure, right? Oh yeah, no, yeah. Please, Star Wars fans being touchy. Paul, you and I both know, and Kyle, you know as well. They've been that way ever since uh, an Ewok went all savory with Harrison Ford's leg. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I made my uh, my uh, uh, sequel diatribe and my sort of don't give the keys just to you know one or two people. It's a team these days. It's like it's like the Ashley and Rosario thing. We're hashtag Team Tunnel. We're hashtag Team Star Wars. Everyone's in the same camp. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, right, yeah. Back to, back so to Kyle, Mando. Let's back to the back episode. To let's, let's finish up this one and then uh, talk about, uh, ooh, a, a long overdue 40-year-old man. <laughs> well, we, we, we have some great moments here. Obviously, the fight between Ahsoka and Morgan is absolutely beautiful and an incredible fight scene. But we have a great moment, too, between Michael Bien's Lang and the Mandalorian. And it just goes to show you, never try to outdo all the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. I love the fact that we basically have a Shogun fight and a Samurai showdown. And it was amazing because, and and if you think about the whole visual aspect of that, right, you have a very Japanese building in a very Japanese rock garden slash koi pond. Yeah. And out, out, and, and then there you have your two samurai fighting off, fight, show, showing down with their swords, fighting and their spear. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then just outside of that, 
you have what is arguably the most the genre most influenced by samurai which is your your westerns your 60s westerns where you have your showdown in the middle of the street in the middle of the town and that juxtaposition and and honesty of saying look how important samurai films were to american cinema it's it's one of the most amazing honorable things that they've done in star wars yet and just owning up to that idea that both of those things the the westerns and samurai films you can't have star wars without them oh yeah now did you guys think that when uh they shot the you know like the magistrates uh compound and so on especially her part of it is it me or do, does it look like they repurposed uh, and shot in front of Oga's Cantina? Because not like anyone's using that right now. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. It yeah. could seem a little familiar. It's certainly because uh, I'm looking at that and I'm like, wait, I, I I can't get to Florida, obviously, thanks 2020. But I've seen those videos. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, I miss seeing happy people, but that's a whole other podcast for all other discussions. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember people being tortured outside of Oga's, but that might just be parents with little kids screaming. Yeah, yeah, which is why they actually serve alcohol on the Disney parks. What a weird concept. (laughs) But then again, it's 2020. What isn't a weird concept? That is fair. Jeez, thought, I thought I knew planet Earth. Anyways, anyways, Kyle, take us home with this episode. Well, we we wrap up with um, Ahsoka saying she cannot train Grogu, um, which is probably the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kyle, Kyle, you got you, you you have to step back. We missed something very important. Now tell me. Where is your master? Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? Oh, we the name drop, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, we completely skipped yeah. over where her her uh, commander is. Yes, Um. we find out that Ahsoka is still in search of Thrawn. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's just so much been so much in that episode. I, as big as that is, I think uh, you, you kind of, there's so much to absorb. Yep. Okay. It, that's uh, how big of an episode it is, okay, right? You like, know what? Like you can you know easily what? forget that they mentioned Thrawn. If you're saying big right now, Paul, come on. We got we got like two weeks of a whopper here. Uh, like like I said, I'm excited that this is the episode I get to be on. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I saw it. And I snagged you up, and I'm like done. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm. I'm I'm just like when she dropped the name Grand Admiral Thrawn, I'm like, are we really doing this? Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, I will say one of two things. It would be crazy, crazy, if like like with last season, right? Where, uh, you know, Gideon cut his way out of the TIE fighter with that dark saber. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be bonkers nuts, right? Because we know the 
the uh, the child is a donor and and Gideon's uh, blood transfusion and all that stuff. I whether whether he's trying to inject M count into his butt, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it would be nuts if the last shot of the last episode for the season was uh, Thrawn inspecting back the tanks and it has donors floating in them, right? Mm-hmm. Almost like that that um, that concept art of all those Starkiller clones, you know, when that game was coming out. Um, but it would be bonkers if in one of those back to tanks was uh, Raul Cooley as Ezra Bridger. Mm. It would be absolutely bonkers nuts. Kyle, what are your thoughts on that? Um, that's what everybody's speculating. Uh, I don't know if we see Thrawn or Ezra in Mandalorian per se. I think that there's something else planned for them. Well, I was going to add also, if you go to the other side of the coin, um, it's more likely that it's a setup for uh, the Ahsoka series, um, you know, that's coming which I I want I'd be very shocked if after the tenth we didn't learn a thing about it, but um, you know it it would just be insane. This whole entire season, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the next episode. But this whole entire season has felt like backdoor pilots uh, co-starring Mando. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that he's a in in any other movie or whatever, he's basically your secondary character who happens to be constantly run into the main character. Pretty much, I, that's, he's, that's he's pretty your, much what he is. He's your Han Solo focal point, but he's like Han dressed in Beskar. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, I think so. I'm having a hard time with the whole Ezra thing because I, uh, I really want to see him. Yeah. Like I really want to see him. And I feel like part of this, like you said, it's a backdoor pilot and it's really to introduce Ahsoka to a, a much wider audience. Yeah. And so I, I I'm wondering, uh, do we need to see as like are they gonna give us Ezra to keep going with that, or is it just gonna be uh you know, just kind of out there because as we were going to get into before I pulled us back to the Grand Admiral Thrawn thing, right? She's she's going to send off Mando to try and meet up with the Jedi. And I, I'm wondering if she's kind of hoping that it's going to be Ezra. Well, my question is, is she even kind of following closer than we think to see if Ezra shows up? Yeah, and that and that's kind of what I think. I, I, I feel like she's going to use that to, to inform what she's going to do next, because obviously... You know, that that little civilization there isn't her end goal. So, Kyle, do you think we see Ahsoka again in these last two? It w- in the f- Seeing her in the finale wouldn't surprise me. Right. Um, I think I think with when, when we talk about the the, the next episode, we'll can, we can get into the, that a little bit more. But I would not be surprised to see Ahsoka at least one more time before the season is out. Right. Yeah. Well, I'd, I mean, be, I'd be very shocked if we didn't see Bo-Katan again. Uh, you know, it, 
Mandalorian has a history of bringing back characters that have run through the season. So, <laughs> well, yeah, there's there's a uh, one with a certain robo tummy that we'll talk about. It's like, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's let's, let's kind of wrap this up and get into that because at the end of this episode ahsoka says where there's a jedi temple to take rogu to to make ha- and set him on the stone and we'll see if he's ready to be trained still or if the power is fading and that's kind of and then we see the episode lead off from there and i mean guys just you know we've, we've said oh, so yeah. much but oh yeah the planet mentioned you know just casually tython is is canon now yep yeah, well, but that's that's one thing the Mandalorian has has done so well is picking the pieces of canon. Yep. Well, I mean, it gave I, us Life Day officially. Yeah. You know, yeah, I could have done without that, especially um, especially uh, and Paul, I'm I'm not calling him what he is in the show. I've uh, officially named that annoying character from season one. I've called him Fish and Ships Blue Boy. <laughs> Okay, I, Horatio, I did, Horatio Sands. Exactly. I, <laughs> I did not need Fish and Chips Blue Boy talking about relieving himself. <laughs> a little too real for your Star Wars? A little too real, okay? okay. I mean, the I Razor gotcha. Chris had a toilet, for Pete's sake. Yeah, the first <laughs> toilet we ever saw in a Star Wars. Yes, well. and, and uh, I'll just say that the next episode makes me feel better. I don't have to, you know, have toilets in my cannon. <laughs> well let's get it let's before we get into that episode so obviously this was an absolutely huge episode of the mandalorian a lot of people are taking this episode and saying it's maybe one of the most important things that has happened in star wars yep yeah i would agree um that's a, that's a big i mean that's a big statement but you know what i i, I would say i at this point i would put what happens in this episode of mandalorian to me outweighs pretty much anything that happened in the sequel trilogy. And I would say it outweighs a lot of what happened in the um, prequel trilogy. But the, but the big thing, and you guys mentioned this, is it, it's become the episode that's really united a lot of different aspects of Star Wars together. Okay, you know what? My bias aside, and I know Kyle is going to be shocked at 11 o'clock in the evening, but I will say, yeah. Considering Ahsoka's a 12-year-in-the-making thing, we've been waiting for live action. I said 10 years ago uh, that it was a matter of time before we got Ahsoka in live action, and sure enough, it's here. So as shocked as Kyle is, I'll be like, I'll be like George or nodding my head going, uh-huh. <laughs> Paul, what do you think? Um... This this might be, uh, gosh, I, I don't think this is controversial, but I, some people could see it that way. Uh, I think at this point, Ahsoka is more important to Star Wars than any of the Skywalkers. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I think I, I think she's that. she's a bigger part. She's yeah, she's just. Uh, I I think I think the the wider range of Star Wars, she's well, <laughs> she's the fulcrum. Yeah. I, uh, oh. Yeah. I, I see what you did there. Skype high five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. 
There, I don't know why I did that last time, but it worked. <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite willing to go as far as you are, Paul, because I mean, you're basically then ruling out Darth Vader. Well, well, well once he turned to Vader, he kind of for. Yeah, I think there. I think I think we could probably do a whole hour episode just waxing poetic on this topic. No, yeah, not, uh, not at this point, please. No, no, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. I mean a different one, not this one. Right? Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> We'll, we'll, like, table that idea. War is inevitable. One must destroy in order to create. We are no Jedi. I started hearing whispers of Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. What happens when we find Thrawn? Power. Such as you've never dreamed. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. You and I both know who could help you with this. She's still just as stubborn as ever. I bet your master found you difficult at times. Anakin never got to finish my training. I walked away from him, just like I walked away from Sabine. You never made things easy for me. Master. As a Jedi, sometimes you have to make the decision no one else can. But I'm counting on you to see this through. Nice haircut. Sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of our personal feelings. Buckle up. If we don't stop Thrawn, everything will be in vain. You have no power. Anakin spoke highly of you. I'm not here to discuss my past. We have a lot of work to do. Once a rebel, always a rebel. got some very special guests um some of my favorite people when it comes to star wars and just in general in life in general they of course are richard and sarah from skywalking through neverland and i am just so pleased to have you guys here welcome well hey hey to you to ahsokites that's a, <laughs> yes. that's a phrase we're we're coining ahsokites. Ahsokites. <laughs> and i must say i don't know why maybe it's the 90s in me right that literally heard that, and I'm like, why am I thinking Super Soka right now? Oh, yeah. Su- super Soaker. Right? Super yeah, Soaker. Super Soka. Okay. Super Soka, Ahsokaites. That's one of those I words know, that I we know. were recording Sarah, our episode last Sarah, week, and it I just was, came right out. Sarah, I was word stretching, I know. That's fine, that's fine. Yeah. It oh, is yeah, summertime, the season of Super Soakers. Uh, exactly. Uh, Richard, now I feel less awkward. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. And of course, you know, what's even more fun is that as we're recording this episode, it is Tano Tuesday. 
which means a new episode of Ahsoka is coming out. But we are actually here to talk about the first okay, two episodes. Okay, Kyle, Kyle. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought that up. Uh-huh. I am going to put a little bit of LeBron James shine on this. Uh-oh. It's Tano Tuesday. <laughs> well, I got tacos. I have Tano. I've got I've got David. I've got Richard and Sarah. I got all I need. We've got we've got Tagruta sauce. Well, suddenly I want a taco now. Sauce. We're up there with tacos. <laughs> I, I I don't know about this. Wow, that's pretty high up on yeah. the on the tier of excellency. Yeah, well, well you know, if, if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go through a hurricane, I better have the proper food. <laughs> you know what? And you drink. know what? My dis my choice here, gang. The the Ahsoka debut deserves some of the best in fandom right now, and that's you two. Oh, well, that's why we're here for all those accolades. Yeah, and you go. I'm, I'm going to echo with David because you guys deserve them. You guys are, are phenomenal for the with the fandom and everything you guys do is great. And speaking of things you guys do, you guys did something. My my fandom podcast network buddy Kevin Wrights went to the Ahsoka premiere in L.A., but you went to the it was the one at Disney, correct? At yes, Disneyland? At Disneyland proper. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the Disney experience. I know about L.A., but I'm I'm curious about the Disney experience of the Ahsoka premiere. Which I've got to ask, guys, was it a little weird? I asked Kevin the same question. Um, being at the premiere without any of the stars there, or any of the <laughs> creators there, was it? Was it? Did it feel a little weird? Because usually, you know, Ashley, Ashley, and Rosario and stuff, they would all love to. I know they would all love to have been at those premieres, but did it make for a weird vibe at all? Not really. Disney really put on a great event, a very exciting, uh, fun, fun event. So. If you take out the stars, you you really make it a high intense event, and you've got something that is very pleasing to all the fans. They pulled out all the stops, and never once did I go, "Oh, this could use a couple more celebrities." <laughs> yeah, it was. They really made the whole day at Disneyland anyway a, a big event. Like, and and every day leading up to it, we would get notified, "Oh, you get this. Oh, you get this." So so like we each got a a one day park hopper to. The Disneyland Resort, and then on top of that, we were notified. Oh, you have some money to use for food. It's like okay, great. Oh, and then you get and while you're fast go- passes for the, the all Resistance. the Star Wars rides. So we we got to walk right on Rise of the Resistance. We got to walk right on Smuggler's Run, the Millennium Falcon ride, and Star Tours as well. And then they were like, oh, and you get to build a droid, courtesy of us. You know, so it was like. Okay. And that's like... not enough. Take these lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am very jealous that of the dis- dis- distribution of Ahsoka lightsabers for the event. Yeah, yeah. that was a yeah, big the, surprise. This was a $65 set. Yeah. This is not cheap. Yeah, these are the, the toy lightsabers, but again, but they are $65, like because it's a double, you know, it's a double set. And they ha- they come, they came with like a little carry bag yeah. and little uh like little, little lightsaber clips to put on your clips. belt, and all in yeah. all, the the what they gave us came up to like four hundred and fifty dollars a yeah, piece. That's amazing. That's, yeah, yeah. So so you know what? You you can hold back on on your stars. Just give us the stuff, and we're <laughs> we're happy. And this yeah. hand, we have lightsabers. This hand, we could have celebrities, but we're looking at more stuff over here. Ahsoka headdresses, lightsabers, <laughs> yeah, food. Uh, I, I, those those headdresses were really cool looking from what the pictures I saw, and they looked like they were yeah. pretty qual- good quality too. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, we're actually going to do a giveaway uh, too on our on our podcast as well nice. uh, for for some of those too because we ended up getting some in the mail as yeah, well. They, they give, and it, yeah, so, and then afterward they give us this huge care package that yeah. they sent to us. It's like, oh, so okay. you know, if you want to hold back on your on your stars, okay. <laughs> but yeah. but I mean, it is nice to learn about the ins and outs of the episode from the stars. But now it's interesting to see what Disney is doing in the absence of that promotion they're promoting more to the fans and giving us the opportunity to kind of promote the show in lieu of the stars which we're happy to do so yeah we understand yeah. the these the stars and the writers positions like yeah, yeah. okay you got you get your strike to deal with that we understand that and stand your ground fight for what you believe in and and we're right there with you but when when we have the chance to really promote something that people have spent years and years on it's not fair to not promote that. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and that's perfect segue into what I want to say is like, all right, for everyone listening, let me just say and get the quacking monkey lizard out of the room. We're all podcast creators, right? We're all content creators. Yes. We stand with the writers. Yes. We stand with the actors. The writers are the word salad and the actors are that wonderful dressing for that word salad, and then we consume it. You know, we consume it like hungry, ravenous Jawas. It's great. It's wonderful. Some of us too tall to be Jawas, but still. So there's no such there's no such thing anymore. Jawa can be any height, David. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I guess that was. I guess that seal was broken with the Phantom Menace extras. Fine. Yeah. But, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Now, guys, I want to ask you, because one of the things I noticed with, with these two Ahsoka episodes and was that the episodes themselves felt very cinematic. And it, so seeing it on the big screen, I wish they, I, I always go back, I wish they really would have done this with Andor, with like the first three episodes of Andor and put those, put those on the big screen and had an event with that because of just how Andor was broken up by in episode arcs. But it, it, watching it at home um, here, it just looked like, oh man, this must have been so much fun to watch. And I really felt like they could have taken the credits, the end credits and the opening credits from episode one and episode two and just merged everything into one big, long film episode. You know, there were several screenings of Andor here in Los Angeles for the Emmy considerations and other screenings they had with with the, the writers Tony and director, Gilroy. Tony Gilroy. So uh, we weren't able to see any of those those screenings, which is too bad because Andor was a fantastic series, but we were able to see the first two episodes of The Mandalorian season three up on the big screen, and that was just phenomenal, especially when you're seeing it with like-minded people. Yeah. Who, when, yeah. when you screech at a at the silhouette of a pergle, everyone else knows what you're screaming at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I do have to say, seeing Ahsoka, we saw it in the Tomorrowland Theater at Disneyland, so it's oh, not cool. a gigantic theater. It's actually a little small, but it was obviously much bigger than your living room television screen. So right. it was really cool to see it. But I do feel like Richard and I were some of the biggest Star Wars and Star mm -hmm. Wars Rebels fans in there because there were moments that we were like yelling and like no one else was. <laughs> and even at the end of the first episode where it has that for Ray dedication, mm -hmm. we were the only ones that clapped. And like, I don't know if it was just people were um mousy or what is that called when they're reticent to like make noise but 
but like we were like all kind of like that. unsure do, do they want us to make noise do they not want us well to when it comes noise? to seeing a star wars film in the theater yeah it's like yeah. you know what if you guys want to sit in our little vortex over here just know that we're going to be screaming and ooing and eyeing over yeah. a cup of blue milk or over a character that you may you may not know but we're we're gonna be very excited. We that's what we go for. We want to be excited. And we want to and really appreciate all the little winks and nods. Right. And even at press screenings, we'll like we'll like prep we'll prep people around. Yeah. Us. So just to let you know, <laughs> you're you're in the in the circumference the of zone. people who know all the little ins and outs and Easter eggs and callbacks, and we will be screaming. Yeah. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll do it in between dialogue. So you guys won't miss anything. We'll know when to scream and when not to scream. Yeah, so no, basically, it's... you're the two that are going. Are there who jibs in here? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. but we, we may be screaming at who jibs, but we will not be texting. Yes. <laughs> right. There right. You, right. Right. There you right. go. But okay, so guys, let me let me ask you then. What were your what? Were, we'll break this into kind of both epi- into each episode because we had master and apprentice and toil and trouble and i i love the titles I, i'm i'm big on the titles. what were your guys's impressions of, let's let's just kind of focus on master and apprentice here starting off what, what did you guys think of the opening episode for ahsoka oh my gosh well it was really neat obviously to see these characters in live action i mean we've seen ahsoka in live action and i remember when we saw in that Mandalorian episode, Richard, we were like mm-hmm. freaking out. Yeah, I think we were at my parents' house at the time, and they were going like, "What's going on over there?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but to see that, I think I think my one of my favorite parts of the first episode was just that loth cat, <laughs> and the fact that the loth cat made the exact noises that if you adopt a loth cat from Batu, which I have two of them. Uh, they make the exact same noises that was coming out of the screen. I was like, oh, that's amazing. I'm just going to say with that Lothcat, I'm like, okay, I, when I saw that, because I have I have a Lothcat and, uh, and Hugsy from Friends, you know, and they're both sitting on my couch behind a big, giant, chewy pillow mm. uh, or in front. But when I saw that Lothcat in the show, I'm just like, okay, Grogu, with your potato sack, move over because someone's coming for your merch drone, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I just wish they had given him a name or her a oh, name. Yeah. And when yeah. when Sabine leaves, she closes the door. How does the Lothcat go out to well, relieve himself? Well, Richard, or Richard, play with the other Lothcats? It's simple. I shall call him Fluffy. Yeah, <laughs> but no. Well, I, I, if you if you look behind my shoulder, one of my two loft cats is sleeping right now be- yeah. next to me. But I've been uh, trying to teach them both to make that sound, and I, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's still a work, it's still a work in progress there. But um, David, what, what what about you? What did you think of that premiere episode? Well, I thought yeah, it was great. I particularly enjoyed the sort of uh, Indiana Tano vibe of the opening. Yeah, mm-hmm. now, very, very much the now, old Raiders of the Lost Ark Tomb Raider thing going. Yeah, on. I will say when you, going backward from that, when you see the first of all the the crawl, you know, which had a very sort of solo esque Monster Squad vibe to it, but I did particularly like first of all the red is not a not a surprise considering Dave and he's done that multiple times before the red text but if you read it 
and I was watching the episodes again, but if you read it, uh, you're like, okay, this is similar in, you know, the words that are capitalized and uh, similar in structure to episode four, Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, 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 that's the thing with Dave running this show, you're going to get a lot more, I think, of what feels like it's more tied into what we've seen in the movies movies before. And I, when I watched it, I, I, I loved it. It was so interesting, though, because I watched it with my roommate, and he's a Star Wars fan, but he's a live-action Star Wars fan, so he hasn't really seen Rebels. So he had a lot of questions for me after the <laughs> episodes had aired. But what I, one of the things that I loved about it so much was I think they did such a phenomenal job of bringing these animated characters to life. I mean, I, Hera looked amazing. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, um was phenomenal as Hera. I think she really nailed Hera. And, yeah. uh, of course, everybody's raving about Sabine when you, when you go on the Internet. But you, I, I got to say... Though for me, of all the performances, the one that stood out was Ray Stevenson. He when he mm. when he just is on screen in this show, he just has a presence to him, and it's just like, yeah, you can tell the guy who has the real, real heavy acting chops here, and it shows. But yeah. it was, it, 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 in ways, it was really heart great to see him on screen. But it's also a little sad because we we lost Ray shortly after. <laughs> Thing, Captain. We are no Jedi. We're heading to the detention room. The captain's dead. So are half the security detail. How many targets are there? Two. But they split up. to your word and well paid for it lady morgan the jedi who captured me seeks the map she knows about thrawn who is this jedi ahsoka tano After I'm glad you brought up Ray, Kyle, because I'm just going to say what he reminded me of is the, and I'll take a what if scenario here, but what if Anakin never turned, never went into the Iron Lawn, he'd probably be very similar to this. Well, I, I think that's a good question. And I, I, I Richard and Sarah, I, I kind of want your impression of this because I've had this conversation with the, several people now. I don't necessarily think his character is a Sith per se. 
he has the orange lightsaber. His Padawan. He, he calls his his apprentice a Padawan. She has the Pad- classic Padawan braid. I kind of feel like this is like a new form of Jedi, a Jedi who after Order 66 is just kind of, I'm out for myself. I'm not necessarily doing completely evil things, but I'm I'm doing what I need to do to survive. And he's kind of just, it's a new path of the force in, in a way, because and to, to, between how he dressed, which was kind of a mix of a, cl- a classic Jedi, but a little Sith and not the bright red saber but the orange sabers what were you guys kind of feeling like okay we're seeing like a totally different class of type of force user now now that you have all these dark side or dark side jedis who are waiting in line to be sith because only there's there can only be two of them well you, you don't need <laughs> standing in line so long before you, you look to the others in back of you and go hey guys why don't we do something else okay because we're <laughs> un, unless there's uh, unless we get rid of this this vader guy the, the line is just going to keep on extending so why don't we break up to our own alliance and just be these dark side Jedi? And hey, let's make a buck off of this and become mercenaries. So I think it's the very natural way to go. And when you're waiting for something to happen, well, you can either keep on waiting or you can you can you can pave your own course and do your own thing. And I think that's that's what they're doing. That's what they have been doing. And like, hey, I. I know what what's going on, but I see this one young Jedi or one young sensitive force user. I'll train them to be my apprentice. I'll take what the Jedi and Sith have done in the past and use use what they've done and do it for my my own needs. I think it's very very natural. The same way that Boba Fett in the book of Boba Fett, he was a bounty hunter, did it for so long. All right, now what's the next step? A crime lord. A lot of people didn't like that. Oh, I loved it because it was the natural progression for that character. And I think these dark side users, like, okay, well, if I can't be a Sith, I'll form my own my own alliance. Well, at this <laughs> point, though, like Vader and the Emperor are gone. Yeah, very true. Right? Yes, but yeah. um, Dave Filoni has said that they aren't Sith. He, he yeah, oh yeah, they're not. He was they're the not one Sith. who mentioned that. Oh, these are orange lightsabers. You know, I, I forget where or when he mentioned that, but right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I know the the uh, the Palpatine and Vader are are gone at this point because this is it's like five seven years? years after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But it's like, hey, we saw what happened to the Sith. Okay, we're we're done with that. We don't want <laughs> we don't want anything to do with that. Right. So let's just form our own union. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I get David. What what were your thoughts on that? Because I, I think I think it's setting up something very interesting. Well, I I love the points Richard brings up because it makes me think that, you know, um, clearly with Balin, uh, we're seeing a very sort of um, almost like a battery, your your positive and negative ends, right? Where if Ahsoka is the positive end of the battery, Balin is the exact opposite of that. He's the negative end of the battery. And Shan obviously falls somewhere in the middle of that battery. We're not quite sure with her yet. Um, maybe we'll find that out as the series continues. Yeah, but I, I, what I, I, I like in particular with um, uh, you know, Balin is his saber is a classic nod to the the old orange saber Vader had on the original poster, or one of them anyway. Yeah, because they, they I, I do remember back in the day, we, especially with the action figures, because of the coloring of the plastic 
So you kind of yep. had a few sabers that looked a little more orange than red. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Which made some of those early toys be like um little eyebrow raising. Yeah. <laughs> but but guys, too, I wanna the show is Ahsoka. And I one of the things that I for me with Ahsoka, I'm I've I have come with Ahsoka's been with us for 15 years now, and she, I think even more than Luke Skywalker, I think she's the character for a lot of Star Wars fans. We've really kind of been a part of growing up with completely. We saw her obviously in the original Clone Wars film in two, 2008 and going from such a from basically just coming out of a youngling to, as a becoming a young Padawan, seeing her grow. And every time we see Ahsoka in something different, she's aged, she's matured, she's gone through some changes. And one of the things that I felt was watching Rosario, who I think is doing a phenomenal job playing Ahsoka in the live action. But I've noticed even from her appearance in Mandalorian to her appearance in Book of Boba Fett to now that the character is still evolving. And it, it felt to me like watching Ahsoka in these episodes, there's there's even a more maturity and a more of a weight on her. Like there's things that have happened that we don't know about yet from even when we last saw her at the end of in Book of Boba Fett, where she still kind of felt like she had a little bit of fun to her and was making some smart comments with Luke, but still trying to guide him. Where here she it feels it feels like and and a part in part because of I think the Thrawn aspect of of things too but there's there's an extra weight on Ahsoka and I really think Rosario portrayed that very well. well the whole, first the whole weight of the galaxy is on her because she knows <laughs> if they find Thrawn before we do, this will start World War Galactic War Three. Yeah, and, <laughs> and she knows well, that she's course. she's gonna find him or else the the galaxy will go under another Galactic War. I also feel that, you know, different actors bring different their persona to a character. And, uh, you know, I we were able to see Rosario Dawson in person along with um, Nat- Nat- Natasha Leo. Lee, Natasha Lee, Lee, Lee Bordizo. Yeah. yeah. That does not roll off Natasha Lou Bordizo. Yeah. 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 But we saw them both when they came on the celebration stage. Celebration stage. Yeah. Like, so we were like right up close and. You know, Natasha's kind of like all over the place. It was like her first yeah. big uh, interview convention. surrounded by fans. And she was right. like, oh, yeah. you know, like deer in headlights. But Rosario, she had this presence to her and she had this weight to her. And I think that's what she's bringing to the character. Experience. Experience. Yeah. It's like and every wisdom. It, wisdom. That's a great word. Yeah. And so I feel like she's bringing that to this version of Ahsoka that we're seeing. And I also think she's doing a fabulous job but i wasn't sure about her until i saw her live mm-hmm. on that stage and just felt her presence just rosario's presence itself i was like okay she can be ahsoka because ahsoka like you're mentioning kyle ahsoka to me is almost the best embodiment of a jedi not in the jedi of the ways that you know that the jedi their, their downfall was that they kind of adhered they're to hubris. this. Yes. Yeah, the hubris. 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 Yeah. yeah, they, they mm-hmm. adhered to this, like, how to do things. Um, Very blinding yeah, set of rules. Exactly. A blinding set of rules, not Very really monk-like. Yeah, and so a, a lot like organized religion, you know, and yet a lot of what Ahsoka took from that, she took, like, the actions of the Jedi. Like, what does it take to be a good person, a good Jedi? And that's what she's doing. And she even continued that by saying, uh, in this series, I go where I'm needed. 
you know, her home is her ship. She goes where she's needed. And that, mm-hmm. that even played out in the books too. If you read the Ahsoka novels, that's what she yep. does. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm listening. I've been actually listening to the audiobook for the new. So, so oh, perfect. The Ahsoka novel too. So uh, I'm, I'm about halfway through it and I'm really enjoying it. And by so. the way, let's just throw out there Natasha Lubordizo, who just flat out killed it as Sabine. I very, very, very happy birthday. Was she 29 now? Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah, she's a youngin. Yeah. She's a, well, well, she's a youngling. Yeah. She's a youngling that I'm going to just say, I I got to throw this out there, but that intro with Sabine, I'm like, all right, all right, Tom Cruise, Top Gun, you're on notice, buddy. You're on notice. Because I'm like, I swear to God that it, that just got 10 times cooler. And and honestly, I was the guy, and, and Kyle, you know this, back when, uh, you know, Matt, uh, love you, Matt. But when Matt and you and me were covering Rebels, I was the guy least uh, on the Sabine train. I know, I know, Richard, Sarah, that sounds shocking. But (laughs) uh, she came off a bit too uh, focus uh, group-like, almost like, (laughs) what is this this punky Brewster in in Mandalorian armor? A lot of little girls loved Sabine the most because she was the most I understand that. I understand that, Sarah. You realize how hard this submission is for me? I understand that. I get that. All right? But uh, I just also got to be truthful about it, right? This is Spectre Two One. This is Spectre Two One. Commander Renton, copy. What do you want, Porter? Governor Zadi's looking for you. Oh yeah? Why is that? Are you missing the ceremony? Yep. Well, it's not wrong. All right, look, Commander, I have my orders. I'm gonna need you to pull over. Get lost. Can't do that. Stand down, Commander. Stand down. You should be gonna stop. Sabine, stand down. She's crazy. This has done a complete 180. Yeah, Kyle, I know you'll keep me sane. But this has done a complete 180 for me on Sabine Wren. And I'm telling you, as a fellow Dave, a full-time Dave Filoni cosplayer, I know he hates that. But, you know, if he can turn me around 180 on Sabine, maybe he can do that with this space Aladdin we call Ezra. Mm. Now... Guys, to the uh, the there, other thing I'm I want to my little pedestal. Yeah, I, the other the other thing I want to bring up too, especially 
with episode one because he was such a key part is I'm a huge David Tennant fan of uh. Doctor Who, 10th Doctor. Now the 14th Doctor coming up as he's returning to the to the role in another imagination of Doctor Who. But having him back in my Star Wars and having him really kind of just how he portrayed it this time around being the, the straight man and just telling it like it is throughout both episodes. that was one of my highlights of these two episodes, especially when he's telling Sabrina, yeah, you're really not that force sensitive. (laughs) Just putting it out there. I love that. That was, I was laughing every time. Well, he brings the levity to the show. And right now there's been a lack of levity and he's the one who's really bringing in some of the humor. That and Chopper. Yes. Yeah. Oh well, we're, we're, we'll, we'll get, my, we, oh my god, the, chop, we will get to chop. We will get to chopper here shortly. But oh. the the other thing with episode one that I really want to talk about too is just all the connections to rebels that were in that episode. From seeing the diagram diorama up on the wall, having Clancy Brown on the episode, seeing yep. Hera and Sabine, and just feeling like they just pulled them right from the animation screen, perfectly right into the episode. Were you well, guys and, and, definitely feeling that feeling that way with all the aspects of Rebels that they pulled in? Was it just like it was like okay, they just flipped the switch and just turned everybody to live action? With you know, no this, this problem really at all. could have been called Rebel Season Five live yeah. action. Absolutely, yeah, because you yeah. get like a lot of the same characters, and it it really is a continuation from Season Four mm-hmm. from the epilogue. So we're getting a lot. You're getting Ryder Azadi, Jai Kel, who is now part of the government system on Lothal. And when mm-hmm. I, when we first saw so, uh, Sebastian so Press, <laughs> um, Clancy, Brown. Clancy Brown up there as Ryder Azadi, it's like, oh, they did not do that. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I think we were the only ones in our theater yeah. to go, no way. Yeah. yeah. You know, every time I see Clancy Brown, I keep I keep going, uh, Kurgan. I mean, yeah, well, that, that, Highlander. That, so I, I have that fun running joke with Kevin as he hosts the Bloody Kings show on. I'm sure you did. That was, I so threw that, that in there for that. Kevin. All right. Yeah, I maybe had, that was a Mr. Krabs quote from SpongeBob. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that one too. <laughs> Carabas? Uh, what? No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well. Richard, if 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 Lothal opens up a crusty crab, you win that joke. <laughs> so, well, so guys, give it give I, it a few minutes until Disney buys Nickelodeon, and then they'll have. Oh God! Oh, oh, you know what? Yeah. At, the, at this rate, they're gonna buy everything, and then, <laughs> and then Apple and sell. Yeah, then yeah, Apple will buy Disney, much. and yeah, then it's yeah, gonna yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. As a, as a once wise Jedi said, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> mm-hmm. there you go the original now, hippie jedi yeah, yeah i i have one question i've been asking all my friends and i'm gonna ask you guys this too and david i haven't asked you this question yet either but richard and sarah is the new republic the dumbest government of all time <laughs> we saw that big time yeah. in the mandalorian and if you've read what are the novels that came out that were kind of hard to read, but they were like leading up to why the first order was formed and bloodline, Leia. bloodline, yeah, bloodline, yeah. and that whole trilogy, yeah. Um, that also dealt delved into the fact that this new republic is like all about defense or like well, dececommissioning their fleets. Oh, aftermath. Yeah, the aftermath. Yeah, aftermath. aftermath. Yes, thank you. It. Yeah, it's doing yeah, what the 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 empire did. It's a whole ring cycle. Yeah. Remember in the in Andor. It was Andor who said, yeah, the, the Imperials don't know you're coming because they're so fat and satisfied. 
Well, now the New Republic are doing the same thing. Hey, we defeated the Empire. There's no more threats out there. Let's just do things the way things are going to be done by the rule book. If yeah. pirates are are condemning Navarro, yeah, you know what? Have, we got to fill out some paperwork and triplicate, and then maybe we'll go and save them. And, and it wasn't for uh, Captain Tavan who said, hey, hey, you know what? Maybe watch yourselves here because by the time you act, it'll be too late. And that is the one quote to take away from Mandalorian season three. Oh, That's yeah. what it leads into the first order. Um, one of one of the things that I, I, I'm thinking as I'm watching the, the, these first two episodes, especially in episode two, is okay. So when Thrawn comes in, you, you, there's always the, oh well, one person is playing checkers, one person person is playing chess. No, no. If Thrawn comes in, the New Republic is playing tiddlywinks, and Thrawn is playing that Star Trek three dimensional track. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's that much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's playing Connect Four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Thr Thrawn might as well be in the X Men Danger Room, and everybody else just looks like peasants. Yeah, mm. something, something along those lines. But I want to get into episode two because, I mean, there was the we talked about Rebel season five, and that like, episode two, we get we we see Hera in action, we see the Phantom two, and most importantly, I'm glad you said Phantom two. Yeah. We we see Chopper, mm. and Chopper is only Chopper can steals the show once again. I uh, think he's he's more intel. We can understand him more yeah. intelligible in, in this season. Yeah, it was so cute. It's like oh he's, my he, God. he's he's picking up the English language. Yeah, the basic language. Either that or we're more adept at yeah. understanding him as well. Just like Groot, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say, yeah. I think yeah. it's more of what we call the Groot effect at this yeah. point. And I am not surprised, but. You know, in that little interaction, right, between Chopper and Hera, I'm like, did Chopper just drop an F bomb? Can't just shoot it down, it would crash into the port city. Just ready a tracking device. And don't miss this time. No, I did not go through your stuff. Did you look under the backup battery? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Several. Several. It's Chopper. Yeah. That. It's Chopper. Did you, or did you effing go through my stuff? <laughs> no, Chop. I didn't Absolutely. go through your stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like. This this is the epitome of Dave Filoni being frustrated and not getting the right shot. Yeah, mm. there we go. This is where Dave takes out all of his frustrations, and he knows that it just he, nobody's paying attention to what he's saying, anyways. Right? Yeah, nobody's paying attention. I think him. everyone is paying attention to what whatever Dave Filoni says. Yeah, at, at this point, yeah. Um, okay, guys, we we have, we do have to address the elephant in the room, and the, which is of course the thing that has broken the internet. With Ahsoka, I would say no. Yeah, um, the cross in no. the arms. Yeah, no, the the light, lightsaber damage. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah, I was, I was yes. talking about the bantha in the room, not the elephant in the room. Oh, the bantha. Yeah, the bantha in the room. Yeah. Well, the banthas were elephants, Richard. So let's go with this. They I'm were trying to, I'm trying to bring it back into the Star Wars universe. Yeah. So, well, so yeah, it's kind of in there anyway. So, the, 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 yeah, the bantha in the room, but so. I have reasoned this in my head after rewatching the episodes, and I'm just going to throw my theory out there real quick. As far as Sabine goes, her injury was in kind of an area where, okay, you might have missed some vital internal organs there. 
And I felt like, too, with the way we've been portrayed with um, the, those two characters and how they, especially Balin has said his regret of even thinking about the idea of killing Ahsoka, that maybe he has trained his Padawan for non-lethal, a little bit of non-lethal and where to strike for non-lethal blows. And maybe it was almost intentional. She knew exactly where to strike. My my issue is, and and I'm good with that, and I kind of adjust that for Ahsoka. But I went back and I rewatched the scenes from Obi Wan, and like, yeah, no, they those were dead on, and it was Vader. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, um, yeah. So the question is, guys, have we power, have we powered down the lightsabers over the years? Are the Kyber crystals <laughs> getting a little weaker? Um, or now, now if if Darth Maul can survive being cut in half. <laughs> I think she can survive a stab. You look at the Grand Inquisitor from Obi-Wan who got stabbed in the abdomen as well. Okay, they retconned it that he got two abdomens. Ah, so yes. and, and people have been, been sliced and diced by lightsabers before, and they've lived to tell the tale. And right now you get a Qui-Gon saying, really? What happened yeah. here? Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. But Qui-Gon also did not get immediate medical attention help. Right. Like Sabine did. Like yeah. Sabine got stabbed, and like a minute later, Ahsoka was on the scene with um, Huang, right? Who yeah. I'm sure they had, you know, medical facilities on that ship. So I think that's part of it because I mean, Qui Gon had to like sit there with the lightsaber wound while the battle finished. But and then, but he's so know. strong with the Force. Yeah, he tells his midi chlorians, "Hey, go ahead and and cover up this wound, or, okay? Cover th this hole." The, yeah. the way yeah, that, that Kylo Ren was also stabbed, but you know, Ray was there to use her force power. So right. why couldn't Qui-Gon say midichlorians? All right, guys, go to work. This is why I need you. Because that technology uh, wasn't invented yet. I'm you know, if, if we really wanted to trace a, that argument back to its source, we go back to when you know Ben puts his uh, his hand on Luke's head, and it's like, okay, are you force healing them there too? <laughs> Yeah, but well, mm. here, 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 here's the other, here's the other thing. At least with Darth Maul, you have witchcraft involved, you know. Yeah, and, that's and just. You also have the just the cool factor of Darth Darth Maul, and they had to, they, they had to keep Sam happy. Well, yeah, and I gotta <laughs> say to that, right? Yeah. You know, if Richard, if you're using the Darth Maul defense, right? I'm gonna be like, okay, it's Natasha Lou Bordizo. Could you not put her through? The Darth Maul weird spider butt. <laughs> yeah, if if we were in a focus group and we saw that, I would have been the first one to say, "Yeah, let's not do that. You don't have to do that. Maybe oh, just injure uh, in her the thigh in the or don't something like that. Just stab her right through the, the torso. torso. That's oh, dude, dude. If if that were the case, I would have picked your voice out of the hat in the YouTube video. I would have been like, "There, there, there he is, saying it right there. <laughs> this guy right here, he's talking sense." Maybe. I do have to say that in the screening room, you know, we were we were both like, "Oh." You know, it like was a the gasping theater. moment. I thought, we're one episode in, did yeah. they just kill off Sabine? Yeah, Ren? we were like, and freaking had out. they done that, I would have been not happy, but I would have thought, oh, like with Andor, that was such an ambitious right project that it could have gone any which way. It was very daring. I thought, yeah. if they kill off Sabine, I'm gonna be so excited for every episode because you don't know what's gonna happen. Right, right now, they're you, pretty much going with the standard storytelling, which is good. But I wanted to take more dares in this mm -hmm. season, be be more daring, and that's just I not. I think we might see. That's this just episode. not what this 
season is going to be because it's going to follow the same story structure and tone as the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. There were great series, but Andor was, was very daring. Yeah, I think with this, what, what I, the impression I'm kind of came out of the uh, watching the two episodes too is I feel like every episode of this show is going to speed things up a little bit. It's, it's there's not going to be this. Oh, it's we're going to have a few episodes and we're going to pull back and slow down. I think this is going to be one of those ones as each episode progresses, the momentum of the show is going to get bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger. That's well, look, look where we're heading. It has to. Yeah. I think yeah. what oh. you're I think what you're getting at, Kyle, is consequences from episode to episode. Which yeah. if you go back to Clone Wars, is something Felonius excelled at really well. So I, I have a, one other question for you guys because and then David and I have talked about this. And I think he'll know where I'm going. I really feel like Ahsoka is a very key moment in Star Wars right now. Because I, you know, there's been mixed reactions to Mandalorian season three. Book of Boba Fett had its own mixed reactions. Andor has been because it's so different and daring. I think a lot of people jumped on that. Obviously, we've been in the roller coaster of will there be when are the movies coming? But I think I think Ahsoka is very important because I think it's one that everybody has been universally excited for. And I kind of consider this kind of the Dave Filoni graduation show. I think he's been kind of getting mentoring for live action since Mandalorian started and all his work with John Favreau and Kathleen and everybody involved there to really kind of get him up to speed for doing live action. And I feel like, okay, Dave, this is the point where you graduate. This is, this is your moment to sh- to shine Dave and really take over the future of star Wars. Were you, I'm just curious if you guys were kind of feeling that kind of energy with the show as we were going into it. This show is like Ahsoka herself. This show has got a lot riding on it. Because with each Star Wars project, they've got to win back the fan base. They mm-hmm. did it with The Mandalorian, with Gro- Grogu brought fandom together and said, okay, let's just hug it out. But then they were expecting the show to go one way, and it didn't. It blossomed into what we got in uh, season two. And then season three, it really blossomed with Bo-Katan. Right. And I don't mind it doing that. I think a that lot of people, a lot of people are like, hey, well, look, where, where's the Mandalorian in this Mandalorian season? It's like, well, Bo-Katan is a Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. So this has got a lot riding on it because a lot of fans love to hate Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just folding their arm going, okay, impress me. And no matter what, they're going to find something wrong with it. And I refuse to go on to any of these links or videos that say, is this show really bad or this show sucks because like, okay, nope, not going there. And I think, well, and also fandom, like I'm not on Twitter, but I've, I've heard people summarizing what happened last week. Like Ahsoka came out and like all the Andor stands is what they're calling them. We're like, we're like, putting down ahsoka because only one star wars show can be the best it's like well no you guys there's room for maybe it's the best for you right but that doesn't mean everyone has got to fall under your dictatorship of fandom but i just find that so annoying and that's one reason why i'm not on twitter yeah because people are stupid (laughs) oh then we know twitter doesn't exist anymore thanks right x or whatever it wants to be this week yeah (laughs) x formerly known as twitter yes formerly known as prince yeah yeah Yeah, formerly known as symbol the universal thing with it though you will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy we must be cautious ah of social media bringing it back yeah, I, I, I have to admit, though, it's, 
I have to admit, it still feels wrong when I'm not, I'm hitting post again instead of retweet. Oh yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like, I mean, this show, I have a lot of, I mean, I have a lot of expectations going into it just simply because, you know, Dave Filoni is known as a great visual storyteller, you know, um, animation is simply a medium. It's not like worse than live action. It's just a different way different of way telling, telling a story. story. Yeah. Very, very yeah, different yeah. way. Yeah. But, and, and still like incredibly powerful way. Exactly. And like one of my favorite Star Wars things of all time is in the animation. It's Star Wars Rebels season finale of season two of Star Wars Rebels, which is Twilight of the Apprentice, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. Ahsoka goes to Malachor and they meet Maul, the whole gang, you know, and then Ahsoka, like, you don't know what happens to her. She like goes down the steps of the temple and it blows up. So you're like, oh, is she dead? You know, but like that whole though, that that part one and part two finale was like some of the best star wars i've ever seen it really broadened out the mythology of yeah. star wars and so that is kind of what i'm expecting from this show i'm expecting i have great expectations you know, <laughs> even sarah, going into sarah i'm glad you brought that up because i have a really interesting feeling now i uh, i'm concerned a bit because how is he going to make uh, say world between worlds work in a in a live action concept. I think we're all worried about that. But that Malachor fight in particular, I think we're going to see some approach of that in mm -hmm. in this show. And I'm I'm very sort of intrigued on how well Filoni can sell the the idea going from animation where you can do anything. Quite frankly, I mean, look at you know across the Spider Verse. I'm like, my God, right? Yeah. But um, in live action, though, it's like the selling of the concept is going to be like, oh, okay, Dave, you you got my attention. Mm -hmm. How are you going to pull off this Houdini? Houdini? Exactly. Because yeah. It... Yeah, but if if they start mentioning multiverses, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. Well, and exactly. also. Also, Richard, let's be honest. World Between Worlds is one of those where it's like, do you realize the nest of Gundarks you'd be opening if you tried to do that concept in live action? Like, uh, good uh, I think they can. I, they right can. now you can pretty I much think, do well, anything. No, I understand that. But I can already hear the the anti-sequel sans nut jobs going haywire again. And I'm like, <laughs> we just spent three years getting them to fall asleep. I, you know I, what? I, I, With the volume, I yeah. think the world between worlds would be amazing. I want to go to the volume and have like the whole floor and ceiling and, and everything that, and, be the world I, between worlds. And I think I think that's a good point, sir. Because, I, and I've had this conversation with others. That is what the volume is made for. And I mm -hmm. know that the volume came out at a time when we had COVID and we had oh a new toy to play with. Everybody's got to use the volume. Right. And I think. What, what I love is how Tony Gilroy with Andor kind of brought a little bit of balance back between practical effects and the use of the volume. And I well, think we're finding Kyle, Kyle, yeah, let, let's also look at the fact that another thing that did that, uh, and a fairly recent example too, is James Mangold. Where yeah. if you take out the, okay, using uh, you know visual effects to make Ford look 30 again, if you take that out, there is wall-to-wall -wall real in the rest of that movie, in India, Jones, and Dial of Destiny. Yeah. 
practical effects are always are. I, I, I think, like I said, I think we've got a balance now. We're understanding when to use the volume and when not want to use the volume. But you have a yeah. great point, Sarah. That is what the volume is designed for. An effect like that to be able to pull something off like that. But guys, just because I, you I, can, does that mean you, you should? should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, thank, thank you, Doctor Dr. Ian Malcolm. <laughs> which is funny because i just recorded a 30th anniversary jurassic park podcast it's oh, <laughs> not that God. long ago so um guys before before we let you go and i pre appreciate you guys coming on i wanted to ask you which was what just in general what were some of the favorite things that you pulled out of these first two episodes what were your standout things just that Filoni brought that magic once again i was fully invested in these episodes and I, it was, it, when one would end, it's like, okay, start the other one real right now. And right now we get a, we get a time clock counting down the minutes to the next episode. And let's, let's like anything else. There's going to be pros and cons, goods and bads, peaks and valleys. And right now I think there's more peaks than, than valleys and the valleys really is when they show it gets a little bit slow because you've got to do the, the whole character exposition to catch most people up. If you're just walking in this cold, forget it. This is not the show for you. You can't walk into this cold. There's just yeah. too much history with this. And I, this ep this next episode, they they have to deal with the whole Sabine and Ahsoka separation. What yeah. happened there? Why did yeah. Ahsoka walk away? They should have really dealt with this in the first episode. And I hope they deal with it in the third episode because that's at this point. This, this, after that, this seems just like get on to the to the story. Give us, you know, what, there's the you plot. Know there's the funny. story. You know what's funny, Richard? Um, and I I hate to interrupt the flow of your thought here, but you got me thinking. What's What's funny is why I hope that too. This is also Dave, and George taught him, and you know. I, ha I have a funny feeling in the back of my mind that that's probably going to be a story left for another time as as a lemon-headed alien. They teased that. it way too many times. Yeah. We need the payoff. And no, I, 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 I love I, TV I, series I where you can stretch that. a story out, yeah. but at some point, let's close that so we can go on with the main plot. Yeah. I, I understand that. And and the reason I, I want it addressed is it is an eight episode series right you need to do stuff like that well and if it were a longer thing right like like television used to be when it was actually television not you know streaming packages <laughs> then the argument would be different i, I, I think part of the, yeah i think part of the issue is is that george and dave have a habit of playing the long game with certain story elements. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Gee, um I, if only I can think of another baseball cap wearing dude that learned the same long game idea, but that yeah. may be I, a I, I, well the long game is the thrawn plot. Yeah. But this subplot no, no. of Ahsoka and Sabine, let's let's close that up because you keep teasing it. Let's just pay it off. Okay. At this point, let's pay that off. Because we, we need to know what happened between them. I don't want to see no long game with this one. Yeah. Well, what about yeah, you, Sarah? No, I, I agree. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? What were some of your favorite things that you've pulled out of these first two episodes just in general that so warmed your of, heart? One of my favorite things is the music. I feel like yeah. Kevin Kiner, you know, oh. his 
his symphony yeah. has been the Clone Wars, going into Star Wars Rebels, going into, you know, like anything he's worked on with Dave Filoni. He's he's kind of taken that Star Wars symphony and gone on with it in his own way. And I feel like being given this opportunity to use a real symphony orchestra now um, with Ahsoka, because they have the bigger budget for it. Um, I feel like he's done an incredible job and it's it's like a continuation of the tone poem that he's already created. Um, you've got Ezra's theme in there. You've got Sabine's theme. You've got some new themes that recall themes from Return of the Jedi and, and mm -hmm. things like that. Like, I, I think it's really awesome. I can't wait to hear what he comes up with for the Purgles. <laughs> Purgle theme. Um, and I, I just find that that's like my favorite thing is the music. And my other thing that I think is really cool addition to this is the fact that Morgan Elsbeth is they dropped this knowledge that she's related or is a descendant of the Dathomir witches. And I yeah. think that is the coolest pull ever. <laughs> that is it also is. Filoni once again, pulling from legends, the best stuff and making it canon, just like he did with Thrawn. And um, now he's taken the night sisters, which originally I believe that was George Lucas's daughter. Leia. Yeah, well, it was that the courtship of Katie, Princess Leia. Katie, Katie Lucas, Lucas, some of the yes. better stuff she did yeah. in Clone Wars, yeah. Was the Night yeah. Sister ep the episode. As a matter of fact, I've yeah. said for a while that I would love a scenario to have her back if you dive deeper into Night Sister stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah. at the same time, I also have a little bit of trepidation there because I remember how, when it was actually named it, how Twitter treated her, and I'm like, I'm sorry, that mm. was just dumb. Yeah, mm. Twitter, Twitter kind of jumped on her a little bit, but we don't let Twitter influence us. So. No, I, no, I know, I don't I even know, know that. There, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it doesn't exist anymore. anymore. We went, we've yeah. been through this. So, <laughs> but I'd love to see her brought back. Uh, by the way, I'm glad you brought up Morgan because did you catch that her uh, prison getup was obviously a very Delivered the Bruce Lee to uh, <laughs> Bruce Lee's outfit, oh, the original yellow outfit. Yeah, I, 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 I did notice that. That was a very nice piece. I'm just like, nice, Dave. Nice. Okay, guys. One last question, and I'll let you go. Um, the internet, the internet always comes up with a question that that has developed that develops into something, and I, I blame Kevin Reitzel on my end for this because he's he 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 brought up the thing. I think Merrick is. Ezra. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and of course, now that now the theories are floating around because Sam Whitworth's name is in the credits and there's been some suspicion that maybe Merrick is star killer killer oh. from the video game. From the well, video Sam Whitworth's name is in every credit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sam Whitworth oh. might as well be top on Lucasfilm's call sheet. So, so my question is, do you guys think Merrick is somebody we already know or do you think Merrick is just a new character? I think he's just someone who is going to be killed in the last episode. He's 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 the Darth Vader of the series. He's the henchman. He's the bulldog.
when in the very end, when Balin Skull sacrifices himself, he's going to kill Merrick for that. Yeah, he's Ahsoka because he said it'd be a shame to kill off Ahsoka. Yeah. So that's Mm. that's foreshadowing. I I can't. I just can't see that happening because Rosario has embraced the character so well and has such an amazing relationship with the Star Wars family now and the bond her and Ashley have. I just I don't see it as we're at a point yet where it's time to take Ahsoka off. Oh, oh no, 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 no. no. That He's saying that that Balin. that Balin is going to sacrifice himself to save oh, okay. Ahsoka. Yeah. Okay. Right. And he's Kyle, gonna to have yeah. to kill Merrick in the process. Kyle, yeah. to add what to you just said, because I gotta throw this out there for anybody, because they always think this at the end of the day, right? Not mm-hmm. so much these two, because Sarah and Richard are positivity and fandom. We know this, that's why they're here. But I gotta just say. The day Ahsoka ends, I got news for you, kids. Spoiler alert: is the day Filoni is not with Lucasfilm anymore. Probably. Let's get the movie to do next: the Mandoverse yeah. movie. Well, that's true. And uh, Richard, to add be a to big that, part of that, I'm just glad you brought that up because I I've been a little torn with uh, with Ahsoka, mainly because. My my hype should be not quite as muted. It should be I should be seeing her on the big screen. So when Dave was announced for that movie, I have the reaction of so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> you're saying there's a chance I could see my girl on the big screen. Yeah. And Thrawn. We, we we miss Star Wars on Yeah, there. okay, all right. And and Blue Boy. <laughs> That's you. But Guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Talk Ahsoka. It's always such a pleasure to podcast with you guys. Um, We are just a little bit about an hour away from the newest episode. So please go enjoy Richard and Sarah again. Just thank you. It was, well, like I said, thank you for having us. And for anyone who doesn't know where to find us, we are Skywalking through Neverland. You can find us on any podcatcher. Find us on social media at Skywalking Pod. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much for having us on, both of you. Absolutely. And guys, so bring us to the end of this episode, uh, this kickoff episode for Ahsoka Ronin Way of the Tunnel. So, and we will be back later, Kyle and myself, to uh, review episodes three and four. So until then, remember, you can take Star Wars lukewarm. You can take Star Wars Mustafarian hot. Or as cold as a vacation on Hoth. But at the end of the day, Star Wars is the way. You said it. Thank you, Ahsokaites. This is the way. This is the way. War is inevitable. One must destroy in order to create. We are no Jedi. Thanks for listening to Ahsoka Ronan, The Way of the Tongue. I started hearing whispers of Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. What happens when we find Thrawn? Power. Such as you've never dreamed. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. You and I both know who could help you with this. She's still just as stubborn as ever. 
I bet your master found you difficult at times. Anakin never got to finish my training. I walked away from him, just like I walked away from Sabine. You never made things easy for me. Master. As a Jedi, sometimes you have to make the decision no one else can. But I'm counting on you to All see this All things Star Wars Lucasfilm is a subsidiary nice of the Walt Disney Company. Sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of our personal feelings. Buckle up. If we don't stop Thrawn, everything will be in vain. You have no power. Anakin spoke highly of you. I'm not here to discuss my past. We have a lot of work to do. Once a rebel, always a rebel. This podcast is meant for informational purposes only. No infringement is intended.